Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It, it feels different, Sean, but everything's changing. And other than the new coaching faces, I think this is kind of where, where it's going. Um, you know, there, there's so many kids getting in the portal, so many changes, uh, people jumping around, and, and I expect that uh, this year will kind of be the new normal going forward. No, we were honest and open with both of them and uh, told them both we were probably going to take two if, it was, if we found the right ones, and neither one of them blinked. Um, but that's what competitors do. They want, they, all they want is an opportunity, and that's what they're going to get. And welcome back here to uh, this post-signing day edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett later will be joined by Abby Barmore in studio. Uh, but it's in the books, at least for now. Uh, you can kind of put a pause on things. Uh, dead period's going on. Uh, but Nebraska finishes Robin uh, with 28 new players added to their roster. 15 high school, 3 junior college, and 10 transfers um so it's a really good balance and blend um kind of like a stock portfolio you got to have some money in this some in that and some in that well they they really diversified the portfolio but when you break down these numbers robin 33 percent of the 85 scholarship players from nebraska in 2022 will be new 50 percent of the coaching staff will be new five of the 10 full-time coaches so it's just got a whole different feel going into year five now and it was necessary I think when Scott Frost you know finished uh, with another losing record this past season they had to change things up they had to do something different to kind of flip the narrative or flip the feel they've clearly done that with this coaching staff 28 new players and they're not done yet Robin yeah and they were able to accomplish all of that in the span of you know just about three months uh, coming off of a, a point where there were a lot of questions about just the the, the future of Scott Frost uh, at Nebraska. You know, I mean, there was a lot of questions just about what Nebraska was going to do with him to begin with. They decided to retain him and basically put the ball in his court that you need to make some massive changes to what you're doing in order to try and get this thing right. And to his credit, he took it, he took the bull by the horns, swept a clean sweep uh, across his offensive coaching staff, um, hit the portal harder than we've ever seen Nebraska hit the portal. And um, I thought, like you said, brought in a, a combination of immediate impact players that will help them right away while also maybe stockpiling some developmental guys uh, for down the road. Well, you know, they got three quarterbacks added to the roster, three running backs. I just chuckle saying that because that's just crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, five wide receivers um, added. I think we're they're still short though is on the offensive line, the defensive line, and maybe even pass rusher. They cleaned up special teams, they cleaned up secondary, and I think that's where the shopping's going to continue. You'll see Nebraska be in the market for a defensive line body, a pass rush body, and maybe even another offensive lineman. And the portal is just gonna have cycles and mm -hmm. there's gonna be a spring cycle. There's gonna be guys that get upset about where they're at in spring ball and they'll put their name in the portal in March or April. There's going to be guys that 
get upset about where they're at. At the end of spring ball, they're going to put their name in the portal in May, and Nebraska is going to have to be on the ball um, to continue to add players, and there's going to have to be tough conversations with players on this roster because today, right now, Nebraska's at technically 90 players on scholarship. Now, a couple of their new additions, I think, are walk-ons for the one semester in order to kind of make it work mm-hmm. for the 85 in the fall, in the, the spring number. Um, but the Big Ten allows you to be oversigned by three. Um, so technically, Nebraska today, I believe, is at 88. Um, so they're, they're playing within the rules. And to be honest, Robin, you want to be in this position. Yeah, I mean, you're better to have uh, the luxury of more options to choose from and figure it out later. And, I um, mean, you know, like you mentioned, they're not up against the clock. I mean, they can carry over 85 all the way up basically to the fall semester, right? Like the start of the fall classes. You just got to be at 85 mm-hmm. in August. Yeah, so, I mean, there's no rush on this. I mean, you can let guys battle this out and, um, you know, have some some good long conversations and let guys maybe explore their options and just kind of let it naturally figure itself out. So um, they they have time on their side, but – you know, you mentioned the positions that they're they're looking for. Obviously, everybody in the country is looking for pass rushers, uh, so that's kind of to be expected. But I thought interior defensive line was one of the the, the biggest absences with that transfer portal group. Um, you know, it was one that they were actively trying to get and missed out on some guys late. So I would probably imagine that's number one on their board uh, when they go uh, out of the spring. But then offensive line is another really interesting one. Yes, they brought in two new guys um, from the transfer portal, but I don't know if either of them are like no-brainer day one contributors, uh, potential starters. I think they have the opportunity to be, but you know they didn't get that immediate impact transfer lineman that you would like to see them get. And that's a group with eight players with starting experience and a couple more that have played significant game snaps. You know, there's a lot of competition and and decisions that need to be made with that offensive line room, especially if they're going to try to add some more bodies after the spring. Yeah, you look at some of the recent portal moves too. Um, Jordan Riley goes in the portal, goes to Oregon. He's a six-year senior. This will be his fourth school. I did get some clarification. How is he able to be a double transfer? Well, technically he never really was because he went to North Carolina, then he went to a JUCO. He qualified at the JUCO to get into Nebraska. So this would technically be Jordan Riley's first true one-time transfer um, within the rules. Um, but, you know, I'm asking myself, why is a guy like that leaving? Like, is Oregon's situation that bad? It must be because he was going to get snaps this year and be a factor, but maybe he just didn't trust the situation. You're asking yourself, what's DeAndre Thomas or even Damian Daniels? I mean, could they have benefited with one more year? So there's a lot of those things. And the portal's just going to continue to unpack rosters. You're just going to see it Mm -hmm. everywhere. And that's just the reality of where this game's heading. Yeah, and it's like like Scott Frost said, it it doesn't matter what he feels about it, what you or I feel about it. Uh, This is the way it is, and it's not going to change. You know, maybe there's some things that – it potentially can curtail just the the amount of transfers. I don't know. Maybe guys are going to see the writing on the wall and seeing kind of a maybe long-term body of evidence of the success rate of guys improving their situations through the transfer portal. And so maybe that kind of naturally slows it down a little bit. But for right now, this is the name of the game. You know, guys, especially with you taking into account the recruiting restrictions over the past couple classes, there was a lot of decisions made sight unseen. And guys just kind of making commitments based off virtual relationships and then they get into their situations and they realize this isn't what's cracked up to be uh and decide that you know we, we need to have a fresh opportunity somewhere else so i think there's a lot of reasons why the portal is a bit as crazy as it's been the past couple of years and you would just think that maybe it'll eventually start to slow down as maybe 
more information about the reality of the transfer portal comes into play. Yeah, COVID has messed it up so bad. I mean, the sight unseen recruiting, I mean, it's, you compare it to like somebody posting a picture on a dating website of themselves, like their all-time, you know, where their body weight looks the best mm-hmm. and they're, they're perfectly tanned and angled right. That's the, that's the picture they post. And you meet them and you're like, wait a minute, you don't look exactly. like that guy. Yeah, it's like, and, a, it's like taking a job out of state somewhere and then you go there and you realize that I don't... This, office sucks like this job why did i take totally uninspiring pennsylvania i have no room to move up like this is terrible i'm gonna go get a job somewhere else so it's i mean there's a lot of that going on and so you know i know a lot of people are kind of freaking out about just the magnitude of transfers that we've seen but there there are there's a lot of kind of unusual circumstances behind that you're listening here to the husker online show as uh, we put a wrap here on some thoughts from signing day. We're going to get in the quarterback discussion, Robin, in our next segment. Uh, but just getting three quarterbacks to, I don't know this, but there can't be another team in college football, especially at the Power 5 level, that signed three new quarterbacks to the roster. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of unheard of. With with the guy that already had a, a game a starting a game of starting experience under his belt returning as well. So <laughs> I mean, it, it just it's crazy to think – they got three quarterbacks. I mean, two sure happens, but three? Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, just two transfer quarterbacks in itself, but when you pair that with a high school kid coming in, now obviously with Richard Torres, the plan for him obviously is to redshirt coming off that knee injury. So I mean, a little bit different circumstance there, but you know, like I said, you got a guy like Logan Smothers who's been in the program two years, started a game last year, and uh, you know, then you bring in two new transfers, both of which are going to be compete for the starting job. That's that's an unusual situation for that position uh, going into the start of spring, and it's clearly going to be the talk of Nebraska's off season, you know, through spring on through fall camp and, and probably into week one. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk more about this quarterback battle next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Man, he's smart and sharp, knows what he wants, knows what he, knows what he does. And, and if you're going to be in charge and take something over, you know, you got to be really confident. Coaching's pretty simple, really. At the end of the day, you make relationships with kids so they, they trust you. And if you know what you're talking about and can communicate it clearly, uh, you can get there. And he does a great job with all those things. Yeah, that's not my narrative. Um, there's a lot of narratives around that uh, aren't really based in fact. Um, He's going to have every opportunity to start, and he knows that. Uh, the other guys are going to get their opportunities too. Uh, we got a long time to work with them and a spring ball and a fall camp to figure it all out. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as you heard Scott Frost talking about the quarterback battle um, and the, maybe the narrative that it's already Casey Thompson's job, and then Mark Whipple, what that's meant. But before we get into that discussion, this segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by the 2022 Air Lingus Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland. Single game tickets just went on sale. Um, you can get on Huskers.com. You can buy those tickets right now, Huskers to Ireland as well. Um, the website to check out all the different packages and things out there. 
A lot of Husker fans I've talked to are excited. They're getting ready to go out there. They're planning this trip. Um, we've unleashed some of our Countdown to Dublin stories already, uh, featured the Trinity College and the Book of Kales visit I made in December, and how that is a must-see deal, um, as well as some other features we have coming. So get on Huskers.com or Huskers to Ireland to secure your tickets to the 2022 Air Lingus Football Classic. Robin, let's talk quarterbacks. And are you buying Scott Frost that – on the narrative about Casey Thompson? Uh, not necessarily, but that's what he needed to say. I mean, you can't just say, yeah, we're excited. Casey's the guy, you know, this is this is his job, and, you know, everybody else is just playing for backup snaps. I mean, no, that that doesn't create a good competitive environment in the room, especially with so much turnover and, um, you know, so many guys that, you know, are, are looking at this as, you know, they want a real shot to show what they can do. So I don't know if Casey Thompson comes to Nebraska without at least some confidence that, He's the front runner for the job, but it's going to be something he's he's got to go out there and earn. And you know, I mean, obviously he he dealt with a, an injury with his throwing hand, his thumb, I believe. And um, Frost said he still hasn't seen any of these quarterbacks, Purdy or Thompson, uh, do much throwing yet. But the one thing that has immediately jumped out, and Frost mentioned this, was from a leadership standpoint. And you know, Sean, I know you you talked to uh, Casey about this, where he took the entire offensive line out to. Rodizio and had a bunch of stakes and um, you know was really uh, showing out in the weight room and pushing the charge there to, to lead by example during winter conditioning and so those types of things have already made a pretty big impact not only just on Casey Thompson's teammates but on the coaching staff and Scott Frost himself yeah what I want to know Robin is Casey you know when we did Husker chat live with Casey Thompson on our YouTube channel um, also on our podcast channel, you can he hear that full interview. Casey talked about he had not thrown a football mm -hmm. at all since the end of the football season. Has that changed? Is he throwing a football? We haven't seen any videos, and I, I have a hard time thinking we're going to see too many videos. And I think during the off season, you know, they're they're pretty limited on what the players do stuff, but the coaches can't be involved um, in those types of things with footballs. They can be involved in instructional things, but footballs can't be involved for up to like five hours a week. Um, but yeah, Casey Thompson, I want to know how's he throwing the football because that thumb injury did kind of mess him up. And then you got Chubba Purdy, um, Richard Torres, Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg. Don't forget yep. about Heinrich Harburg. Yep. Yeah. And so, like I said, there's, there's guys in there that legitimately believe that they are probably the best guy in that room. So while Casey Thompson may, um, view this situation as a, a prime opportunity to win a starting job. Like I said, he's going to have to work for it, and he's going to have to earn it. And, you know, we'll see kind of where he is uh, just in terms of throwing the football because, you know, it wouldn't seem like that big of a deal, but the thumb on your throwing hand, that's a <laughs> it's a pretty significant component to uh, being an accurate quarterback, getting enough zip on the ball, and um, being a, a good enough passer. And so we'll see how much that set him back and um, how far he has to go to, to get back into full form. But in the meantime, uh, he's got plenty of competition that – if nothing else, he's at least setting the tone and taking it head on with the work that he's done, earning the respect of his teammates, both off the field and in the weight room. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Yeah, and I, I'm this spring game is just going to be intriguing just to see those guys and what they can do. And I want to see Jabba Purdy play. I've never seen him play. This is going to be an awesome spring game when you really? think about it. The whole new offensive staff, all the new transfer players, not just the quarterbacks, but then when you add in the element of the quarterback position where uh, every one of those guys that we just mentioned is going to be looking to make a statement. So it should be a show. Well, and not to be the buzzkill, but what really the spring game is going to be is like practice 11 or 12 when they do like the scrimmage before sure. the spring game. That's going to be the spring game. 
and then the fans are just going to kind of see a, a football festival, you know, where they'll do some stuff, but it'll be so vanilla. And well, but yeah, that's it'll how be, it always is, though. But, but this this year more than ever. Still, I mean, it's, it's an opportunity for fans to come into Memorial Stadium and see all of this for the first time, and that's going to be a big deal, I think, especially with just kind of the renewed optimism around the program. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a really good opportunity for Frost and all these new coaches and and, all, and these quarterbacks especially to kind of uh, you know hammer home the work that they've been able to do over the last few months to to get this thing back on track to where uh, they hope it can be the one real advantage they have though over Northwestern in this game is literally Northwestern has no idea what they're going to show and that's mm-hmm. a tough deal to go out to Dublin Ireland and prepare for a lot of things because it's going to be a marrying of the Whipple and Frost systems together and, you know, if you're Pat Fitzgerald, now Fitzgerald is going to have a new defensive coordinator, but they've run the same scheme at Northwestern since like the 90s. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to vary too much from what, what they do. I mean, Northwestern has a brand. They, they stick to that brand, and for better or worse, that that's what they ride. It's a bend but don't break uh, quarters defense. Yeah, they're good. It's going to be a good defense. It's always they a do good not, defense. They don't get, that, that was the anomaly of that game a year ago in Lincoln. Northwestern's defense is built not to give it big plays. They keep everything in front of you. And Frost figured out a way to get behind that defense. Yeah, and so not only is it just, you know, what Whipple and Frost are going to come up with, but you know that scheme is going to be built around whoever the quarterback is. And so until the quarterback position is answered, you know, you got to wonder just kind of the skill sets they're going to be working around at that position. So there's a lot of unknown variables that, you know, obviously guys like us and the rest of the fans are – are going to have to try to figure out, but then Northwestern too on a uh, week earlier time frame is going to have to figure out how to prepare for an offense they know nothing about. And by the way, signing day, you know, Nebraska got two guys that announced their way, and you know it was fun. But boy, signing day is taking a huge turn from what it used to be. <laughs> we had two announcements, and one was like a broken Instagram Live link that like broke, <laughs> and then ESPN aired um, Bonner's deal live from Georgia, and there was no audio. So like, I mean, you saw him put the hat. You just like watching him. Like, what's he gonna do? Oh, mom's wearing a Nebraska shirt. He puts on a Nebraska. And so like, it was it's it was just kind of funny on signing day as there was so little drama. I think what I heard ESPN say on their show was there were only like fourteen of the top three hundred players uncommitted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I mean that's what the the December deal does well guys enroll in january too exactly and so i mean just there's the the recruiting calendar has been totally overhauled to where it's just not what it used to be and i guess some people you know that enjoyed the that big first first week in february are are probably disappointed by that but i don't know how much it changed and i think it's not anything that's going to go back to the way it was because of the evolution of the transfer portal and and how much roster movement happens post January um, when you know things get start to really get moving going in the spring they need to have like a transfer portal show yeah I mean they really should I mean it's like that should be almost more of a spotlight than what uh, high school kids are doing at that point yeah because it it just you get even a bigger sense of optimism about your team because their immediate impact with the portal exactly you know with you know like Caleb Williams I mean that that was the biggest storyline of the Mm offseason yeah I mean, they could change your season with with the transfer portal, whereas guys that are signing that late, you know, there might be reasons behind it or whatever, but usually the top elite-level guys have already been signed for a couple months at this point. Just think what that decision alone does to, like, the Pac-12's TV deal. How many more games of USC now get bumped up a notch? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe from being on a not-as-desirable window to a better 
network and window because of Lincoln Riley, because of Caleb Williams. I mean, so that was a huge, huge deal in college football to see Caleb Williams this past week. And Wisconsin, that was the shocker of them all that they were in the middle of that deal too. But I just don't know if the Badgers are built NIL-wise to, to, to do so. They don't strike me as a place that has a, quote, NIL collective set up there to – to get a player like Casey Thompson. Well, or, yeah, or Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. Sorry, Caleb Williams. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, a few teams are going to be able to compete when with L.A. and USC. I mean, that's the biggest brand on the West Coast. And so, uh, you know, I think that when he was going through that process, you know, he and his family were just exploring other opportunities and seeing what other places had to offer. It's kind of like a free agent in the NFL visiting different teams and, and seeing what situation is going to end up being best for them. So in the end, he stuck with the coach that he knew, which oddly enough, I think Lincoln Riley said that he could not communicate with Caleb Williams at all from the point that he left Oklahoma until he signed. Like he, he said that he could not have any communication which I don't understand that. directly. And maybe there was something with the closet with oh. his, 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 coaching change or what? But maybe the fact when they let him out of his deal, that was like part of the, yeah. So I, I think he explained it. I didn't really see why. But anyway, uh, in the end, that that ended up winning out. And now USC is, uh, once again, a power on the national stage. All right. Well, Abby Barmore is going to join us next. We're going to talk mailbag. But I'm going to ask Abby about uh, the the big transfer volleyball got uh, with John Cook. So we'll get Abby's take on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, joined by Abby Barmore. Before we get into the mailbag, Abby, Nebraska volleyball got maybe the biggest transfer they've ever landed in the transfer portal era. Let Husker fans know more about the transfer from Penn State John Cook's program at it. Yeah, Caitlin Hoard committed this week. She actually um, went to her official visit at Nebraska over this past weekend. And she and was, you saw her, right? But you didn't know for yes, sure? Yes, yes. I spotted – so they showed – during the women's basketball game, they showed, like, the volleyball team on the screen and everyone was there. And there was an extra person that I didn't recognize. And I was, like, looking all over. It was a weird angle. It wasn't super clear. But I was very suspicious of this person, and it was Caitlin Hoard. So um, basically, we were we'd been talking about a little bit about Caleb Williams. This is the equivalent to Caleb Williams going to USC. This mm. is the top yeah. player in the portal for women's college yeah. volleyball. Yeah, she. I mean, she's a four-time All-American, four-time first-team All-Big Ten, kind of a big deal. In especially for Nebraska, they really needed a middle blocker with some experience. They have Kayla Caffey potentially coming back next season if that. NCAA waiver goes through and then behind her they didn't really have anyone with experience at all so now they have Caffey who was a second team All-American last year and a four-time All-American so Kaylin Horde she's going to come in and make a huge impact she's not enrolling until probably the summer or the fall she wants to get her degree yes yeah she's coming in as a grad transfer so she's staying at Penn State for the spring to get her degree did Penn State who'd they hire for their coaching job? You don't know yet, okay? Yeah, it, it was it's someone that was on their staff already, kind of like um, like a Nebraska thing where 
it could potentially, you know, work up to someone that they're training up. I feel like up. John Cook is like Coach K, though. Like, all of his assistants keep just kind of moving on. Yeah. And, and they're all, like, trying to position him themselves. Mm-hmm. Trying to build up the resume to su- succeed him eventually. And Because yeah. you've got, obviously, I mean, you can go all the way down to Craig Skinner at Kentucky. Obviously, yeah. Danny Busboom at Louisville. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Tyler uh, at uh, now Long Beach State. Yeah. Caleb Answorth at Ole Miss. I mean, so the, yeah, there's a lot of them. Jordan Larson now. Oh, whoa! <laughs> Throw that in there. Well, when I mean that job, by the time Cook's done, it could be close to a million dollar a year coaching job. Yeah. So, well, let's get to the mailbag. Um, we don't have as much time as normal, but what do you got in the mailbag, Abby? Uh, what is what are reasonable expectations for Thomas Fedoni this year? I think Thomas Fedoni, if he can be in that number two tight end spot behind Travis Vokalek, and I, I don't see why he's not going to be Robin. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're talking about potentially a walk-on or two that could contend, but he's going to be ahead of A.J. Rollins. He's going to be ahead of James Carney. Um, I think Thomas Fedoni is in a really good position to kind of have a nice role as a receiver in, in that complementary tight end of Okalek. And the only question would be, how is he coming off that injury? Well, go check his social media, that picture of him working out. Holy cow. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about a guy that's made games. Like, he was kind of just a, a wiry frame, you know, when we saw him a year ago. Now he looks like a legitimate Big Ten tight end right now. Like, he, he looks bigger than Jack Stoll out there, maybe which is a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> but, I mean, just just go look at that picture to see the progress he's made. And from a strength and conditioning standpoint, I think he's going to be ready to fully capitalize on a – Excellent opportunity this spring with Travis Volkolek being out. He's going to get first-team reps as the number one tight end, and I would imagine he will take full Well, advantage. then Chancellor Burrington, I forgot to mention him, but he, he kind of has that niche. Yeah, he's, he's got a role. Uh, he's going to deplete some people and <laughs> <laughs> hopefully be the goal line tight end for years to come. What do you have next, Abby? What has been your favorite live chat with the newcomers so far? Ooh. Um, been a lot of them. I've done several now, over 10, and – I will say Casey Thompson, to me, was my favorite one just because, number one, the number of viewers. I, c- I couldn't believe the interest to, to, to see Casey because, you know, Casey and Chubba and Richard Torres, for that matter, they've just not done interviews at Nebraska. Trey Palmer's not done an interview. Um, so it's been really good to get a chance to get an extended version um, to, to talk to these guys and, and, and ask them questions and bring in the fan questions. because let's, let's face it, we got some pretty smart fans, and they ask some really good questions, these guys, too, and it's fun to bring that into it. Um, but, yeah, Casey Thompson, um, over 20,000 views on the YouTube channel, and you know I, I think overall between Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, we're over 60,000 views on that interview right now. I like the uh, Trey Palmer one. Just because of the amount of swagger and confidence, he well, had. he, he kind of like made me uneasy. I mean, he was coming. He, he's <laughs> yeah. like, he's like, I'm sparring with you right now. <laughs> he did not back down whatsoever from the challenge. So just, just that level of uh, confidence and self assurance, I thought was was fun to watch. All right, what's next, Abby? What do you feel will be the biggest improvement with adding new coaches? Will it be due to recruitment or ability to coach the players or both? I mean, obviously both. I, I think we're seeing it in recruiting. There's just more experience you know, with these guys and what they bring to the table. And and there's more alpha. I, d- I just think you've got more guys, more dudes. You know, Bill Bush is not going to back down. Mickey Joseph's not going to back down. Mark Whipple is not going to back down. I mean, these are proven seasoned recruiters. I think Brian Applewhite's in that category, too, down in Texas. Now, Donovan Riola's the one wild card um, that we don't really have a good feel for. 
Um, but there's only one way that offensive line can go from a year ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the bar is pretty low there. But, I mean, just knowing uh, the, the brief encounters I've had with with uh, Dominic – or uh, Donovan. Donovan, sorry. Uh, I mean, he's uh, all business. And so I don't imagine him uh, being timid in the least uh, in anything that he does. And so uh, I think that – the you, know, you want to talk about confidence i think this staff brings a lot of that uh to where you know frost we we kind of said it going into the hiring process and he mentioned it again earlier this week is you know with, with this collection of coaches he feels comfortable to step away and just let them handle the business you know when they're in the offensive meetings he doesn't have to be the one up there running it or involved in everything because Mark Whipple is going to take control and he's going to go and get everything done and allow Frost to oversee everything and not just have to focus so much on one side of the ball. Got time for two more. What are some key stats you'll look at to indicate progress made in 2022? Wins. Yeah. <laughs> How about that oh, one? I mean, one? Really, that's what it comes <laughs> down to. But, you know, there's some tangible things. I'm like, turnover margin is a big one. You know, those things that ultimately directly lead to wins. Um, you know, yards per rush on offense. Can they run the ball better? Sacks allowed. Those types of things where they were really, really bad last year. Um, you would hope to see some market I mean, improvement in those areas. Second down, too. I mean, Nebraska. Yeah, early down success, just in general. Well, Nebraska was one of the best first down teams in the country. I mean, they lost games where they averaged eight to nine yards a play on first down average. That's insane. <laughs> and so, the, yeah, the, the the special teams, though, if Bushini, Trey Palmer, and obviously uh, Bleakrod, who's not here till May, the kicker from Furman, if those three guys, because I do think Trey Palmer is going to return kicks, mm -hmm. punts. I mean, there's going to be some competition. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think Trey Palmer is a guy that's going to be in that position. But they've, they've got to get yardage back there. Yeah, so, I mean, starting field position is a big one, too. Um, and so, I mean, there's there's little like areas like that, but, you know, what it all comes down to is collectively, can all those things improve enough to start changing the final score? Because, uh, really, that's that's all that matters at this point in, in Frost's career. Final question. The Super Bowl is set. Who are you rooting for, the Bengals or the Rams? <laughs> you got I mean, you have to root for the Bengals, right? Who day? Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's um, – I'm a Chiefs fan. I've been a lifelong Chiefs fan. Went to Arrowhead Stadium as a kid almost once a year for better part of my junior high and young life. So I grew up going to a lot of Chiefs games. Um, so that was tough for me, honestly. And my wife goes, she goes, but aren't you happy for Joe and Zach? And I mean, because I've known the Burroughs for a long time. I've known Zach for a long time. And I am absolutely happy for those guys. But, you know, if they were playing the Giants, you're going to cheer for the Giants, right, Robin? Yeah, no question. So... But now I'm all I'm all in Taylor. I'm all in Burrow, and especially against the Rams. I mean, like, like just a bunch of like mercenaries. They just went to go buy a Super Bowl. Like, I don't know. I personally do not want to see Odell Beckham win a Super Bowl. I mean, that guy. I have a personal agenda against him. Uh, so you pair that with the Zach Taylor, who's like we talked about, like one of the most genuinely nice dudes you'll ever meet. Uh, you know, Stanley Morgan, all those guys. And then obviously Joe Burrow. I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. You, I, I mentioned swagger with Trey Palmer. No quarterback has probably ever had, maybe since Joe Namath, as much swagger like, as Joe Burrow. The millennial like crowd just loves Joe Burrow, He's right? He's so cool. I mean, he wears like his pajama hey, pants. 39-year-old 30, dudes like Joe Burrow, I'll tell you that much. He's, I mean... The fact that like he's just like so confident and backs it up, like you can see how guys just gravitate towards him. Like 
Cincinnati is going to become like a free agent hub where guys are going to want to come play with Joe Burrow just because of that presence. And he's got a pinpoint accuracy. Yeah, I know. And he's just a winner, man. I mean, in that Chiefs game, like he he beat him with his legs. Like he was never been that much of a runner and he looked like Mike Vick out there (laughs) scrambling for those big game changing runs. Unknown fact, though, on Joe Burrow, what kind of athlete he is. He was Mr. Basketball in the state of Ohio. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like that's that's a huge state, Robin. Like. And he was named Mr. Basketball. Here was the other question we got in the chat was, will Nebraska and or Scott Frost ever live down Joe Burrow? Like 20 years from now, are they still going to talk about why Joe Burrow didn't end up at Nebraska? I think the list, though, is long. I, I think it's Bo Pelini and Tim Beck. And I can tell you, I don't understand how it fell through when it did, but they just kind of shunned him in high school. They kind of pushed him away, pushed him away. And they took this Kevin Dillman kid over him. And I, I remember talking to the coaches. I'm like, are you, what about Joe Burrow? And crickets, crickets. Nobody wanted to like admit that like he's a guy that they should probably be taking. And then Riley tried to get him. Uh, but I think Urban Meyer even deserves to be guilty. Here. They had him on the roster. Right. And picked other guys. Like Urban <laughs> Meyer had the best quarterback, arguably, of Ohio State's history on his roster. And he decided to start Dwayne Haskins, who went to a strip club during COVID and got kicked off the Redskins. <laughs> now, to be fair, uh, Ohio State's quarterback success has been as good as anyone in the country. But, but anybody could be good there in that offense. Exactly. And so you put in a guy like Joe Burrow running that. I mean, I'm sure he would have been just as good, if not better. And, you know, they had him. And so it was funny. Like, Joe Burrow, even they asked him, like, about Ohio State fans claiming him. He's like, no, I'm, I'm LSU. Ohio State fans don't try to claim me because uh, you didn't want me in LSU. You did well, and you think about like Bill Bush was on that Ohio State staff with Urban Meyer. Then he went to LSU, and he said he said to me, uh, we were talking about that. He goes, Joe Burrow doesn't lose that Purdue game. Dwayne Haskins, you know, lost that mm-hmm. game against Purdue mm-hmm. when College Game Day was there, the Rondell Moore, oh yeah, game. And he's like, Joe Burrow doesn't lose that game, and I truly believe that as well. Dwayne Haskins didn't play like a man, and they got blown out, and it cost them a college football playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And he said, Joe Burrow doesn't lose that game. And from what we see now, yeah, Joe Burrow doesn't lose that game. No. He doesn't so. lose any games. Yeah, at this point. <laughs> I mean, he's beaten Mahomes twice in a season. That's which, insane. Man. Who does that? Yeah, both. Well, yeah, once in Cincinnati, once in Kansas City. But, wow, it should be a great Super Bowl. We'll talk more about it next week. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear from Chubba Purdy, guys. Husker Chat Live. Talk to Chubba. Um, you can hear part of the interview. Obviously not the full interview, but that's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here. And uh, each week, you know, over the last few weeks, I've had a chance to do some really fun interviews uh, with some of the newcomers on Nebraska's team here. And we, we've talked heavily in the show about uh, the number of newcomers added to this roster. And we've tried to bring a little bit of it to the show because uh, these are exclusive interviews. No one's talking to these guys. And uh, the last one we just did recently was with quarterback transfer Chubba Purdy. Here's more from my Husker Chat Live with Nebraska's Florida State quarterback transfer Chubba Purdy. Well, hey, let, let's talk about the path to Nebraska because I'm sure about a month ago, this wasn't even on your radar um, as far as Nebraska and the opportunity here. Um, but how did it all play out with Florida State? And then you ended up coming to Nebraska. You know, so I entered the portal, I guess, in November, beginning of November. And I really wasn't really getting much uh, looks at first. Um, teams were still in season and everything. So uh, once I 
I got the Nebraska offer after Whipple was here for like a month. So, um, in you know, you um, were being recruited by Mark Whipple at Pittsburgh. What did Mark Whipple at that time say he really liked about you? I'm sure there there was kind of that connection with Phoenix. He's I think a Phoenix guy himself, and uh, as as are you. How much was that maybe an early kind of talking point between the two of you guys? Just uh, the commonality of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, sir. He's actually been recruiting me. He recruited me in high school, going to Pitt. And uh, we sort of created a relationship uh, through that. And then um, after once I hit the portal, um, Pitt was the first like school to reach out to me. And uh, so I talked to Coach Whipple and they were the first school to offer me. So um, Coach Whipple, I've, I've had a great relationship with him for about three years now. So that's, that's where it all started. And you were at Florida State the last two years, you got hurt your freshman year. Um, and still came in late that year on the COVID <clears throat> season. How tough was that? Because it did look, at least at one point of 2020, that you could have ended up been been the guy there. And, you know, the injury kind of was obviously a tough setback to go through early in your career. Yes, sir. Yeah, I broke my collarbone in August, and um, I got surgery on it. And they were trying to get me to come back quick and play. So I kept getting infections on it. So I had to get another surgery. And I got three surgeries there. So, and I still played in this, uh, in the games. I played in three games, started in one. So, I mean, it was, it was tough my freshman year, but um, I'm super glad that's over with and I'm ready to move on. And this past year, I believe you played in the one game. Um, when you went to the portal, was part of your thought like to make sure you preserve that red shirt and, and uh, were, were able to not play in more than four games this year? Um, that was sort of my thought process, not really. Um, because I knew if I didn't play in obviously more than four games <clears throat> that I'd have a red, uh, my four years of eligibility. And I honestly really didn't even think of that. I just, I was ready to move on. So I just hit the portal. And now you're a four for four guy. I mean, with immediate eligibility, I mean, you kind of look at it as a clean slate. I mean, you've had two years of power five college football to learn and kind of study and understand the game. And you got four years of eligibility still. Yes, sir. Exactly. I'm super excited about that. Um, like you said, I get to restart and just start from scratch and I'm brand new again. So I'm fully healthy. So I'm super pumped up about that. You know, I want to go back. There's a picture on the internet from December when Mark Whipple was still at Pitt and, um, he technically, I think interviewed for the Nebraska job, then had the in-home visit with you. Um, obviously you had to have no idea any of that was going on. Did you I mean, there's no, no read at all about that whole situation. Yeah, that situation was funny. Um, he came over to my house, uh, recruiting me to pit the whole entire night. And, um, we, you know, we, he was there for hours at my house with my family. And we were asking him questions and everything. And he was still recruiting me to pit the whole night. And by the time the next morning, right when I woke up about eight or nine, uh, he called me and I answered it. <clears throat> and he was just talking to me for a little bit. And then he goes, I just would like to let you know that I'm not going to be coaching at Pitt anymore. And I was just like, you just recruited me last night to Pitt. And I thought it was, it was funny, but uh, that just shows you his loyalty though, because how he he could have told me that he was going to be taking the Nebraska job or he interviewed for it and he didn't talk anything about that. So he was recruiting me to Pitt knowing that he would leave the next day. So. So was that visit then like on a Monday night, I take it? Was that like Monday night when he came in your living room and then Tuesday basically told you the news? Yes, sir. I'm pretty sure it was during the week. So, 
Well, when you talk to him about Pitt and like what he did with with Kenny Pickett, I'm sure how impressed were you just with what Pitt did? You were in the ACC. Uh, I'm not sure. Did Florida State play Pitt last year at all? Yes, sir. My freshman year, we played him. So you, you got a front row seat of kind of what he did. I mean, um, what did you like about what he showed with that Pitt offense this last year? Oh, man. I mean, Kenny Pickett, um, compared to when he first got there till the past year, I mean, he's grown uh, just football knowledge and just his footwork and his eye progression and Coach Whipple's offense. I mean, it's just it's what it's what I'm looking for and it's what I need. <clears throat> so just watching how Kenny Pickett grew in his system and Coach Whipple being there with him all those years. Um, I really like that and um, I'm really looking forward to it. So. How did I mean, I think a question a lot of people have is how did Nebraska kind of present it to you that, hey, Casey Thompson's going to come here, but we still want you here as well. And this is the plan of how we're going to make this work, because I feel like that is not easy to do in today's world of transfers and quarterbacks. Yes, sir. Um, they told me when Casey committed, um, they told me that he committed and that they were going to take two. So I was really just thinking of my mindset, you know. I mean, I still got four years, and I would still, I'm still coming in here to compete with him, Logan, all the quarterbacks. Um, so, I mean, when they told me that, I was, I was fine with it, and I was going to come in here and compete no matter what. And no matter, that's where wherever you go, you're going to have to compete with someone. So, you've been in Lincoln less than two weeks. I mean, what are your thoughts of just the program, um, the culture, the quarterback room, and what, what are your early impressions of kind of what you've walked into? Because you really didn't get much of a chance to, to learn much about it um, until you just got here. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, I took my official um, almost two weeks ago, and I, uh, you know, I, I saw everything. It was snowy. I didn't really get to see how it would really look. Um, now, obviously, there's no snow and everything. But uh, just really going through and walking through campus finally, and going to some classes and everything and finally get to just really live that college life. I mean, cause this is my first in-person class since I've had, oh, since wow. I've been in college. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. And uh, the campus is, it's perfect size. It's not too big, it's not too small. So, I mean, everything in the city isn't also ginormous. So that's also a good thing as well. Um, but everything about it right now, I love it. It's just football in school and um, I'm just ready to get after it. And also the quarterbacks, um, we throw with each other a ton. Um, we work with receivers and uh, go through walkthroughs, and uh, we're all getting along great. So, when well, your brother Brock has obviously played, you know, two and a half hours away from here at Iowa State, finished his great career there. Um, so, I mean, your family and yourself. I mean, how familiar are are you with just the Midwest um, with your brother? Um, all the years that he played down down in uh, Ames, Iowa. Yeah, we're we're super familiar with the Midwest. Um, obviously, my brother was there for four years, um, so I would go to his games at Iowa State. Um, my parents they went to a million games, so uh, we love the Midwest. The people out here are super nice and uh, approachable, and we're all about people, so that's a great thing. And um, I actually did a camp here, so I, I was sort of familiar with Lincoln in the Midwest. Oh, so did you camp here under? Coach Frost's staff then as a as a camper. Yes, sir. I uh, I did it my sophomore year of high school, going into my junior year, so summertime. And it was Coach Frost back then, or was it the previous staff? It was Coach Frost. Okay, so were you just kind of a guy trying to get on the radar? I mean, kind of no, no one really probably knew who Chubba Purdy was at that point. 
yeah, I, I didn't have any offers. My brother was still the guy at my high school, and it, it was me going into my junior year. So I, I was about to, I was competing for the starting job and trying to make a name for myself. So I was doing camps, and I came here. Well, we got a lot of questions here as we're talking with Chubba Purdy. Um, you're, you're watching Husker Chat Live, brought to you by Sandals Global, powered by ABM. If you have equipment to sell, sell at auctiontime.com. Um, before I get to the question, any history to the name Chubba? Like, what is the backstory um, to Chubba? Is that your birth certificate name? Uh, give us a little insight to uh, the backstory of Chubba. Yeah, that's funny. Um, everyone always asks me that. That's probably one of the first questions that people ask me when they meet me. And I, uh, when I was one years old, I weighed 38 pounds. So my dad just started calling me Chubba. And it's not my real name. My real name's Preston. So that's so how it all went. You get yelled at by your mom. I bet it's Preston. Or is it? Is it <laughs> no, my mom, she, she says, she just says Chubba Purdy. And I just, I just know I'm in trouble. So. So like when you're on the roll call sheet at UNL for classes, that it says Preston Purdy or do they, do you go with Chubba on everything? Uh, I, at Florida State, my name for classes was still Preston, <clears throat> but I got to know the professors and they started calling me Chuba. And then here, I think I think it's I think it's Chuba. So sticking with it. All right. Well, let's get to these questions here. The first question, um, and and obviously tough one to answer, but will you compete for QB one in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two? What's your expectations right now? Oh yeah, um, I'm gonna come in and uh, try to learn this playbook as fast as I can and. Uh, just can't wait for spring ball so I can compete and get to know everything. And uh, for sure, I'm going to come in here and try to compete with whoever. Got another one here. Um, what do you do best as a quarterback? Like if you were to break down your strengths? Um, really, like when the when the play's broken and nothing's there, um, I just scrambling around trying to make a play with my feet or um, staying on the run and uh, throwing it down, keeping my eyes downfield and uh, just making a big play happen with my arm as well. And thanks again to Nebraska transfer quarterback Chubba Purdy for joining me on Husker Chat Live. If you want to hear that entire interview or any of our other Husker Chat Live interviews, we put them on the Husker Online podcast channel. You can also find them on our Husker Online YouTube channel. When we come back, we'll close the show with some Nebraska basketball talk with Robin Washett. You're listening here to the Husker Online show. Good thing you checked. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, talking some Nebraska basketball. Robin, um, gave you a week off last week to hopefully get some momentum, but things are still kind of in the same spot. Nebraska loses again, um, you know, really two games in a row. Um, you could make a case that they could have won the Rutgers game. Um, and then obviously the Michigan game. I mean, they, they were right there with the chance to win both of these games, one at home, one on the road. Now they're back at home for a noon game on Saturday against Northwestern, which once again is another winnable opportunity for this team. Yeah, so, I mean, they are what they are. They uh, are 6-16, six and 0-11, oh haven't won uh, a Big Ten game in their last, I think, 14 games going back to last season. So it's been a grind for everyone involved, but if you want to try to find a silver lining, compare the effort and competitiveness in these Rutgers-Michigan game rematches to the first meetings. That Michigan game, 
back in December when they lost 102 to 67. That was one of the more embarrassing efforts we've seen Nebraska basketball play in a long time, which is saying a lot given what has happened over the past few years. So for them, I mean, to just compare that game with what we saw on Tuesday night, this team has made progress in that regard. Now, still, it's not good enough. Um, it's, you know, now they're just, you know, playing close and trying hard uh, and, it's, you know, not getting them any, any victories. But the effort is still there. They're still fighting, and I think they're improving as a team marginally. Uh, so, I mean, there, there at least has been some progress and you would hope that you know especially over these next few games where uh you have northwestern you have minnesota the the game on super bowl sunday at iowa that's going to be difficult but then uh you have maryland who's going through their own share of struggles followed by northwestern four of those five games are games nebraska could and maybe should win if they continue to make the progress that they have and continue to fight the way they have over these past few games but again you know it's one of those chicken or egg things. Do, do they actually have to catch some breaks and win a game for them to believe they can finish the job in the final minutes? Or do they have to just kind of pull themselves up by their bootstraps and, and finish it to, to get the win in order to build that confidence? I don't know. Uh, they've been really close. They've been blown out in an embarrassing fashion. I think that they're closer to the team that we've seen over the last few games, You know, even going back to Wisconsin to Indiana, really the last four games, they've played well. They played well enough to win, but now the next step is finding ways to actually finish the job and, and win games instead of coming up short every time. Robin, it'll be interesting. We haven't heard really from Trev Alberts on the big picture of things, and we're about a month away from the, the final game of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. the Big Ten tournament opens March 9th, um, so we're closing in on, on the close of the season just to kind of get – Trev's thoughts, big picture on this season. Obviously, he's not happy. No one's happy with the season. But just the future of this program and kind of where it all heads with Fred Hoiberg. And, you know, what? Because, you know, you, you got, right now you're sold out on season tickets. I mean, there's people still coming, these, or at least buying these tickets. But, you know, what's it going to look like a year from now? I mean, there's a lot of discussions I think you have to have about the direction of where this is heading and kind of can they make this work a year from now? Yeah, and I mean the season tickets are sold, but that doesn't mean people are showing up. Uh, <laughs> what have you seen? I mean, because I haven't gone. Yeah, and, I mean it's it's been barren. Uh, I mean, obviously the the Wisconsin game that was a Thursday at four o'clock, so you'd expect a a light crowd on that one. The Rutgers, I mean, it's I would say there's probably around like six thousand or so people showing up. So I mean, given what they are, that's still a good crowd. Uh, but you know, this is a program that just a few years ago was annually in the top 10 top 15 nationally in attendance and so the numbers are dropping and that's got to be something that as an athletic director you pay close attention to and you look at the secondary market right now for tickets you can you can buy a ticket to the northwestern game for two bucks i mean that's insane for a big 10 basketball game at nebraska you can spend uh you know less than you would for a hamburger to go to a game and so that uh that's stuff that you know, you got to keep an eye on. I think it's going to play a factor to where, sure, the tickets are sold now, but how much longer are people going to continue to fess up that type of money? And, you know, I know there were some questions about them raising ticket prices for season tickets. I think some of that had to do with there being an extra couple games. Yeah, it, I believe. But it did jack it up. So, I mean, you're asking people to pay more for a team that like, has won one game since December 22nd. Well, like, I mean, Nebraska kind of hedged there, and there's like, you know, we're going to be good. This is Fred Hoiberg's third year, and he's got Bryce and Trey and this Verge, and you know, this is the year to kind of go all in on 
you know, making more money on basketball tickets. And, yeah, and clearly that has not panned out. And so where do they go from here? Um, obviously, like beer I said, sales. even if they do turn it around at this point, like what does that even mean, right? So you finish, what, like 10 and 20, like or to whatever, you know? So like uh, any flip of the script over these last few games isn't really going to change the narrative all that much. So this season is what it is at this point. You can maybe end on some relative high notes and, and find some, some positivity going to the off season, but really the morale around the fan base is probably the lowest it's been in a long time. I mean, I don't, I don't know how long it's been since I can compare it to this uh, just in terms of the, the apathy and the pessimism around Nebraska ever being good. And so, you know, what can Fred Hoiberg and Trev Alberts do to spark that? Um, maybe they follow the same blueprints football where, you know, they have some tough conversations to say, you know, you need to change the way you operate up. You need to bring in some new coaches, surround yourself with some new ideas, maybe have a different approach uh, to what you want this team to be both systematically and with your roster management. And, you know, maybe uh, try a different game plan because clearly what you were brought here to do and what you've tried to do for the last three years has been uh, an absolute failure. And to continue to try to do the same thing, you're just slamming your head against a brick wall. Well, and you, you think about Pinnacle Bank Arena, that's kind of lost its luster and charm. I mean, Big time. It's not a home court advantage anymore. Like It used to be one of the better home court advantages around. I'm not going to say in the Big Ten because there's a lot of good home It was court. up there in the Big Ten. Big, other Big Ten coaches ranked it as a, one of the – more difficult road environments they had to play to every year. And then, you know, just the the rail yard has closed a lot of places up. And, I mean, it's just, you know, just not you – know, it's just not the same no. when you go down there like it was. And COVID's played a big factor, mass mandates, other things that, you know, are out of, out of the control. But, yeah, it's just – Bottom line is the team's losing. The team's lo – yeah, if the team was winning – They'd be sold out. Every, and it, it would be just as good as it was, maybe not no sit Sunday good, but it would be close. I mean, it would be to be the point where they would once again be right up there in the top 10, top 15 nationally in attendance. I have no doubt in my mind about that if they were a team that was even in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten. And a whole other just off-topic rail yard question for you, Robin. What happened to the ice skating ring down there? They used to, Did they just kind of shut that baby down with COVID? Yeah, I mean, I think usually if you want to answer the question, just say COVID. That's probably the answer, so COVID. Surprised I haven't read read that anywhere, but that ice skating ring was kind of a deal down there, and and I didn't use it. I mean, I'm not going to ice skate. Yeah, we, I went a couple times with my kids, and they loved it. It was. It must it have been not much of a money maker, but yeah, that was down there too. And I remember the first year they kept it out like through March, and it was like no sit Sunday, and it was 70 degrees out, and you you know like the whole rail yards like beer garden space was occupied by the ice rink <laughs> and you know it costs like the local bars yeah, a lot sure. of money uh, by not having that area open to drink and party because that that was probably one of the highest points of nebraska basketball in the last 20 years easily easily so again i have no doubt that they can get back to that but something's got to change with what nebraska basketball and fred hoiberg um you know assuming he is back next year uh they, they got to try something different and try to infuse some some new energy just like Scott Frost did with football. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as we'll have more post-signing day coverage. Also, Robin will have everything covered on Nebraska basketball this weekend. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.